Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Well, I don't know what your wish list is for Christmas, and I don't know what you were hoping to get. I hope that you've got everything that you need. And to anybody who hasn't done their Christmas shopping yet, good luck, because you may need it. If you are doing a secret Santa and you're wondering about what to get, I just pray for you in Jesus' name right now that you get the right color, that you get the right size, that you get the right shape. And if you are unsure about what to get, this is a little tip from me to you at Christmas. This is my gift to you. Just get them a hat because no one's ever offended when you get the wrong size hat. But if you get the wrong size pants, it's a whole nother thing altogether. Well, when we celebrate Christmas, Christmas is actually the middle of a much larger story. We always think about Christmas as an event, something that happens, but you got to understand it took place in the middle of a much more significant story that is being told. And if you were to get out the Bible and you were to go all the way back to the beginning at the book of Genesis and read in there, you would see even in Genesis chapter 3 that there is a mention that one day Jesus would actually come and Jesus would come to restore the broken relationship between God and people. In fact, you may not be aware of this, but one of the reasons why Jesus had to come in the first place was to fix a relational issue that humanity had with God. So if you know the story, God created the first two people, put them on the planet. Their names were Adam and Eve, you already knew that. So God created Adam and Eve and and put them on the earth. And even in the first generation, they made a mistake. They separated themselves from God in many ways, just turned their back on God and, and wanted to do life their own way. And the Bible calls doing life our own way and rejecting God's plan for our lives. The Bible has a really simple word that kind of clarifies that. It just calls it sin. And sin completely separates us from God. Now, here we are in 2020. And I know that you, like me, we were like, the world is in trouble this year. But I gotta be honest and tell you, the world was in trouble long before 2020. We were in trouble the very first time that we were created, the first generation of people. And part of the problem was not just that the first people made a mistake, but that every subsequent generation, that every generation that came after Adam and Eve would continue to push themselves away from God. Now, I don't know where you're at with God today, and I don't know what you'd think about your relationship with God. Perhaps you're trying to figure it out. You don't even really know if God existed, but or if He's alive and, and, and if Jesus was resurrected. You don't have the answer to all those questions, and that's fine. But for many people, they would see themselves maybe as separated from God or maybe distant from God. And I need to explain something to you that is so important. God never, ever wants to be separated from people. In fact, every time that He is separated from people, it's because people have pushed themselves away 
from God. It's always people that push themselves away. It's always us that create the gap. We create the distance. We create the separation and largely because of the way that we live our lives. And so the Bible tells this story about Christmas. And it says that one day, and the Bible uses these phrases like, in the fullness of time. And like, what does that mean, you know? Like when we see phrases like the fullness of time, come on. None of us like it when God speaks to us in phrases like that. The fullness of time. It's a, it's a moment that God knows that we don't know. When will things get right in my life? In the fullness of time. When will my finances get fixed? Maybe in the fullness of time. It's this point in the future that we can't uh, know the time and the date. And it's not date stamp, but it's a, a divinely appointed moment, a moment appointed by God in which He decides that He is going to act. And it says that this time when Jesus was born, that it was the fullness of time. And so God sent Jesus. Now the Bible says it this way, and this is a very well-known scripture. I don't know if you know it, but John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him will not perish, but they will have eternal life. Now, if you look at the very start of that scripture, it says, for God so loved the world. And I love that God loved the world before we were right, before we were fixed, when we were broken. It was in that broken state of relationship with God that He loved us. And for that reason, it says that He sent Jesus from heaven to earth. I want to read a scripture to you. Now, this scripture was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and it's out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, if you are slow on the uptake, you're not used to church, you don't know what that means. It means that Jesus was God. Jesus is God. In fact, the Bible says this in so many ways. Yes, that He was the pre-existent God who left heaven and came to earth in the form of a baby who grew up and became the Savior for mankind. So if you can imagine this story and, and imagine as it's unfolding, the biggest event in human history, and God decides that He is going to reveal part of this story to certain types of people, to certain people. And so He comes to a man by the name of Zechariah, and He reveals part of this story to Zechariah. He comes to Mary, Jesus' mother. The angel comes and He reveals this plan to Mary. Gosh, come on, like, let's be honest. He had to reveal it to Mary because if he didn't, what an awkward situation that would be when she just woke up pregnant one day. So he had to reveal it to her. He spoke to Joseph, which was Mary's betrothed husband, right? And so, you know, Joseph had to know, come on, he had to tell Joseph because otherwise, you know, Mary's going to be pregnant and Joseph would have been asking some questions like, how did you get that baby in your stomach? So come on, you know, he, he had to know as well. And then what's interesting is that he, he goes beyond 
beyond just some of the Jewish people and he reveals that he's coming to some wise men who are, who are following the stars. And then strangely, and this is the part that I want you to focus in on today for this part of the story. He reveals himself to a group of shepherds. Isn't that strange? Like just a group of shepherds. I understood why Zachariah had to know. And I guess I understood why Mary and Joseph and others, right? But he reveals himself to just a group of shepherds. These shepherds are just out in the countryside. And he, and he comes to them and speaks to them through an angel and, and communicates this story and what's about to unfold. And I want to read part of this story to you out of Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 16. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Just look at the person next to you and say for all the people for everyone. This is an all-encompassing message that reaches beyond the people in that time, in that date, in that age. It's for all people, for all time. Verse 11, he says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, a, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You may have heard the story of Christmas so many times in your life. Even as I start to say some of the names, you probably recognize some of the characters that I'm talking about today. But don't you think it's weird that among those characters is a group of people called shepherds? Isn't it odd that He would just reveal it to a group of guys that are on the backside of nowhere and tending to sheep. And he could have gone anywhere and spoken to anyone, but he goes all the way outside of Jerusalem and, and the holy city. And he, he goes and he, he speaks to a group of shepherds. So let me explain part of why I think it's a little bit weird. There was an institution at the time that had appointed priests that were waiting for this moment. They were waiting for this event. They understood the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. They understood that one day that the Messiah would come. And when the Messiah came, that everything would be changed and everything would be different. They would talk about it. They waited for it. They would read the Scriptures and understand them. And yet they didn't get the message. Don't you think it's weird that God didn't come to the very people that, were, that, that held the institution that looked forward to this event and yet He doesn't go to them. He goes outside of them. They just missed the whole thing. I guess they missed the memo altogether. They didn't see what God was about to do. See, in general, when it comes to shepherds, they were considered to be what we'd call unclean. And they were unclean because, you know, to be honest, being a shepherd is kind of a dirty job. 
Here they are, they'd sleep out under the stars. They would uh, wear the same clothes for days. They would smell like the sheep. They'd have to look after the sheep. I mean, come on, looking after a flock of sheep, that, that is a dirty and messy job. And so actually for shepherds, they were considered by that institution, by the priests, they were considered to be unclean. And in fact, if they wanted to even come in to worship in the temple, they weren't welcome until they had undergone a ritual to purify themselves so that they weren't unclean. On, on the holy scale of things, they were pretty low. Shepherds ranked really low. And this might help you to understand why. See, there are un, you can have unclean and, and unholy, or you can have clean and holy. They're very different. They're completely separate. And I just thought I'd take a moment to help you to unpack what makes somebody clean and, and unclean. Now, if you read the Scriptures, if you understand anything about the Bible, it actually divides at Christmas. It divides at the birth of Jesus. That's why this is such a significant event. We have what we call the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. The word testament means covenant. Covenant is an agreement with God. So there's the, it's divided into an old agreement with God that was in place and the arrival of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, His death on the cross signified a new agreement, which is why we have the old and the new. Now, when it comes to the old and the new, different things were considered to make people unclean. So if you were to look into the Old Testament, there were certain animals that could make you unclean. There were certain people that could make you unclean. If you were to touch a dead animal, that could make you ceremonially unclean. If you were to touch dead people, that could also make you ceremonially unclean. There were certain types of behaviors, of course, that you could, you could act upon and, and those things could make you unclean. There were certain types of natural bodily functions that could make people unclean. There was all these things in the Old Testament that would make somebody unclean. And when Jesus came and, and and he began to speak to people. He said, he, I don't know if you're aware, but he actually increased the standard of holiness. He increased the standard of really what it meant to be clean. And he said, it's not just about what you touch on the outside or what happens with your physical body. Jesus said, no, what can make you unclean could even be your thoughts. What could now remember, because what makes you unclean is what separates you from God. So in a sense, what he's saying, you know what could separate you from God? Your thoughts. What could separate you from God could be your behavior. What could separate you from God could be the words that you speak. All these things could separate you from God. And, and when we talk about things that separate us from God, all of these behaviors and these actions, again, what does the Bible call that? Well, the Bible just calls that sin. The sin is the thing that separates us from God. It's, it's the thing that puts distance in our relationship with Him. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, in a sense that you are doing terrible things. It means you are doing things the way that God would not want you to do them. Having thoughts that God wouldn't want you to have. Speaking words that God wouldn't want you to speak. And so there are so many things that would separate you from God. It's that same sin, those same thoughts, those words, those actions, those behaviors, those deeds that separated Adam and Eve from God in the beginning. See, what you need to know is 
What keeps you far from God is you, not Him. And what brings you near to Him is Him, not you. That might sound confusing to you. Let me, let me say to you again. What keeps you far from Him is you, not Him. And what brings you near to Him is Him, not you. You are the one that pushes yourself away from God. He is the one that wants to draw near to you. If you have a relationship with God and you feel far, it's not because of anything that He's done. He doesn't move away from you. You move away from Him. And if you wanna get close to Him, there are some things that He does to draw you near and draw you into His presence. My point to you is simply this, is that if you have a distant relationship from God, it's not because He's going away from from you, it's because you're moving away from Him. So if we look at this story again, what do we see? We see that God begins the story of salvation and He begins with outsiders. He begins with the people that are far, not the people that are near. The people that were considered to be near were the priests. The people that were far could be the shepherds and beyond that. And He begins there. I remember going to church when I was you know, younger and I had a relationship with God. My story is familiar like so many others, spent some time away from God. But when I went back to church, I remember walking into the place and just, you know, feeling like a complete outsider. I thought everyone else that was already at church, I thought that those were the good people. Those were the people that were the insiders. Those were the people that had their lives together. Those were the people that were in a good relationship with God. And I felt like an outsider and, and I wondered if anyone else could see it. Did they know about how my life was messed up? Was it obvious to everyone? I, I didn't know, but I can tell you, I felt like I was the outsider. I was the bad person. They were the good people I've discovered by being at church for a long time that that is simply not true. It's not about who's being bad and it's not about who's being good. The truth is, is that there have been people that have given their lives to Jesus as small children and grown old in the church and they still have problems that they're dealing with in their life. They have challenges, they have issues. Don't you ever come to church and feel like an outsider because you're new. The truth is when we read the Scriptures, to a certain extent, all of us are outsiders because all of us have made mistakes and it's those very people, the outsiders, the ones with the mistakes, the ones with the issues. In other words, all of us, that God came to draw near to Him. He loves people that are on the outside. And if you're, a, if you're listening to this and you are not a Christian and, and you feel like an outsider today, I got to tell you, you are just like, maybe like the shepherds. You are the very person that God wants to draw near to today. He doesn't see you as an outsider and says that He wants nothing to do with you. Remember, God loved the world, which is why He came. He wants to draw you near and into His presence. So we read this story. And the angel shows up and begins to speak to the outsiders, the shepherds. And again, all the other people made sense, but the shepherds, you think, that is weird that he just showed up to some random shepherds in a field. But it's only weird if you don't know God. It's only weird if you don't understand 
the heart of God. I don't know if you'd be aware of this, but the Bible says that God is love. And not to say that He knows how to love. Knowing how to love is one thing, but the Bible says to the absolute core of who God is, He is love. He didn't learn the behavior of love from human beings and seek to implement it in His life. Everything that we understand about love and everything that's good about love, we got that from Him. He was first, we were second. He literally is love. It emanates from His being. It's who He is. And so the angel shows up and comes to these people, the outsiders, the shepherds, and he says to them this title. He says, hey, great news. Somebody is coming. And this is the title that he gives them. Savior. A Savior is someone who rescues other people. He says he's Christ, which is the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, the one that all the priests and all Israel had been waiting for. And he calls him Lord, which in this case means God. That is a significant title to give to anyone. He says, this person that's been born, He's Saviour, He's Christ, He is Lord. And so in other words, after thousands and thousands of years, finally, the fullness of time had come and Jesus had been born. He'd come from heaven to earth. You know, Jesus wouldn't have had to come from heaven to earth if we could have reached out to God and made it on our own. We needed his help. We needed Him to live the perfect life that we could never live, to close the separation, the gap that was between humanity and God. And so we understand that He came. And I want you to imagine the setting. Here are the angels, the tending shepherd, they're tending their sheep, and all the shepherds are there in their in their field, and one angel appears and begins to speak to them. And then the scripture says, suddenly there was a multitude. If you understand what that word means in the original language, it means thousands. So imagine it, like picture it for just a moment. There are shepherds that are in the field. One angel shows up and he says, good news, great things are happening. This, you know, the Messiah, the Christ, the Holy One of Israel, here He is, He's come. And suddenly there were thousands of angels everywhere. They lit up the sky and they were singing glory to God in the highest. And I, and I read this and I see it and I think, you know, imagine that scene, thousands just singing. What a spectacular sight. Now remember, and this is weird because if you think back about the story, Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, she got one angel. Joseph got one angel. Zachariah heard God and, and saw an angel. And so all these people, they had different signs, but to shepherds, to outsiders, the ones that were far, the ones that you might even consider to be the least likely to be the ones approached by God, get the grandest show on display. Thousands of angels all singing to the outsiders. Don't you think it's odd that the ones that were considered unclean, the ones that were far from God, were the very same people that got the most amazing and spectacular show that night? To me, it blows me away. And they use words like suddenly, except I think a better word rather than suddenly might even be revealed. 
Because I tell you this, that the moment that they saw all of the angels at that time, it's because it was revealed to them. And my point to you is simply this, they were always there. It's only that they were revealed to the shepherds in a moment. That's what made it feel sudden for them. Sometimes there is a veil that is in the spirit realm, things that we can't see. And I tell you this, this is why this is incredibly important for you to understand today. God is closer to you than you think. He's nearer than you can imagine. And just because you can't see Him today doesn't mean that He's not drawing near to you in this very moment right now. He's closer than you think. The good news is, is that God has reached out to humanity to draw near to us in a way that we could never bridge on our own. Not a thing that we could do. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all those who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. And here is that truth. Jesus is the way for us to connect to God. Jesus is the one that helps in some way to remove that disconnection, to remove the veil and allows us to enter into a close and personal and intimate relationship with God. It was Him being born. It was Him living the perfect life. It was Him dying the death that we should have died and Him giving us all of His perfection and His righteousness. That's called the gospel and it's in that moment that He started to close and, and bridge the gap between us and God to end the separation. You know, while Jesus was on earth, He told this parable. It's the story of a hundred sheep. And I'm not going to read it for the sake of time today. There's a hundred sheep and it's just a story of a shepherd who notices that one of the sheep has gone missing. That's pretty remarkable. Like I'm thinking you're a shepherd, you've got 99 sheep and one's gone. Like, I mean, I'm not a shepherd, but I probably wouldn't even notice. To be honest, if I, if I lost one, I'd feel okay about that. I, I'd, I'd be thinking, well, 99 ain't bad. We've still got 99, right? Like, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And, and besides, we don't even know where this sheep was lost. It could have been lost for days now, but not this shepherd. This, this shepherd, he knows how many sheep he's got and one goes missing and the scriptures say that this good shepherd goes in search of the one that was lost and doesn't stop searching till he found it he didn't leave the other 99 abandoned there are other shepherds to look after it but this shepherd he says i'm going to find the one that's on the outside i will find the one that's far i will find the one that's that's distant and this is the story of christmas him going after everyone that was far everyone was distant and saving them and bringing them back home that's what christmas is really all about he goes to the lost he goes to the broken he goes to those of the far i I love the message version of Luke chapter 5, verse 32, where Jesus says, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. It's an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. Everyone has failed the holiness test. Everyone. 
All of us, we're all in the same situation. We're all in the same boat. We are all in some degree on our own, lost, far and distant from God until the Good Shepherd comes and finds people and begins to bring them home. We are, we are outsiders and we have been made to be outsiders, not because God decided to put distance between us, but because we decided to put distance in our relationship with God. And we, we do it so easily. We can do it with our thoughts. We can do it with our words. We can do it with our actions. We can do it with our behaviours. There are so many ways for us to put distance in our relationship with God, our mistakes. And that is the exact group of people the ones that have made the mistakes, the ones with the brokenness, they are the exact people that Jesus came for. That's what Christmas is all about. Him coming, leaving His place in heaven, being born on earth, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for sins, living, dying the death that we should have died so that He can give us the life that is promised to us through His forgiveness of our sins. I don't know if you know this, but the Scriptures say that God is near to the brokenhearted and He is near to those who are crushed in spirit. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you feel like that. Far from God, crushed in spirit. You think, I, I'm so far from God. I tell you the truth right now. You've got to see this. He is nearer than you think. He's closer than you can possibly imagine. And I guess the shepherds discovered all of that. So here's how the story ends. Luke 2, 15 to 16 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. See, the angels came and they revealed something that was true to the shepherds. And they told them this story of good news. They said that this person, this is good news for all people, that this, this Christ, that this Lord, that this Messiah, that He's come, and they heard it. And you know what they could have done? They could have said, well, that was a spectacular show. Back to the sheep. What did they say? They have a conversation. The angels leave and they say, you know what? Something in this moment has been revealed to us that we didn't know. God has told us His plan for the salvation of mankind. He's revealed it to us. They said, hey, you know what we got to do? We got to check this out. We got to see this thing for ourselves. And I think about how many people at Christmas, billions upon billions of people that hear this story in some way, shape or form. They've heard it before. Many of you, maybe even grew up as kids, hearing the story, seeing the nativity scene, understanding something about it, but maybe not even quite recognizing that this thing, 
that you grew up with that maybe didn't mean so much to you in this moment, even as I give you this message today, that something of truth about who God is and how He feels about you and who you are to Him in this moment has been revealed. You know the story. You've heard the characters. You've heard this story a thousand times. You walk into the shopping center and it's filled with decorations and Christmas trees and nativity scenes in the shop front windows. But do you at this moment recognize that this thing that we're talking about is the greatest event in human history? that this is real, that this has happened. And so what can you do? Well, you can just look at everything that happens in the month of December. And just like another year passes, say, hey, this is great. Christmas again, the presents, the gifts, the meals, everything and all of that stuff is good. But could you miss perhaps the significance of this moment because of the season that you're caught up in? You might hear these words, but I tell you, the thing that you've got to do, just like the shepherds, you've got to check it out for yourself. Don't just leave it as an amazing story that you've heard, but right now you, you've, you've got to decide for yourself whether this is fact or fiction. Is this real? Is it true? Could God really love me? Is this honestly how God feels about me? And the answer that I give you today is yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, God loves you. He loved you so much. He sent Jesus from heaven to earth so that you could be in relationship with Him. Don't leave that as abstract truth today. You've got to investigate it. You've got to see it. You've got to witness it for yourself. I tell you, He's closer than you think. And everything that Jesus did is everything that you need. Because God, through Jesus, has reached out to you. But for many of you that may be encountering this message for the first time, this is the moment that you reach back for Him. So here's what you need to do. James 1 verse 8 says this, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. That's my invitation to you today, to draw near to God. And I think this is a message that everyone can appreciate because, you know, even when you're a Christian, there are things that you do in your life sometimes that you feel might separate you from God. Come on, draw near to Him. If you're listening to this message today and you've never had a relationship with God, you've never gone to church, I tell you right now, draw near to God in this moment and He will draw near to you. Come on, He's closer than you think. You might not be able to see Him, but in this moment, He's drawing near to you. And you know, somewhere in your Noah, you know, you understand that God is drawing near it to you. So imagine this at Christmas, the event that we celebrate the coming of Jesus, that this might be the moment that reveals to you the significance of the season. And imagine in this moment, if you may be feeling far, even as I say this, still feeling far, decide I got to see this for myself. And in this moment, you draw near to Him. I want to pray for every single person that's watching this message and says, I want to know God. I want to know Jesus. I want to draw near to Him. If you're a Christian and you already have a relationship with God, maybe you just feel far. I'm going to pray for you too. So here's what I encourage you to do. If you're watching this service, 
I don't know where you are right now, but if you pray with me, I'm gonna lead you in a very simple prayer. And here's what we will do. Let me just tell you straight up. I'm gonna pray what we call a salvation prayer. And in that prayer, we simply say, God, we understand that we are not perfect. Come on, let's be honest. We all know that we're not perfect. And in this prayer, we say, we understand that we're not perfect, that we've done things to distance ourselves from you. But we ask you, God, to forgive us. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid the penalty for all of our mistakes. The Bible says that if you believe that, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved, that you'll have a relationship with God. So it would be my great privilege to lead you in that prayer. If you've never prayed this prayer before, don't worry about a thing, you just repeat after me. So come on, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you died on the cross for my sins. I recognize today that I've put distance between me and you. I understand God, that today you're drawing near to me and I wanna draw near to you. So today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I choose to follow you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.